Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right, welcome back to another episode here on the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, and joined, as always, by Adam Sapi. I am the founder and managing director of the company called the Anthony Michael Group. We help companies across uh, the life sciences, primarily in medical technology. So that includes uh, medical device, digital health, and diagnostic space uh, when it comes to building high-performing teams on the technical side of the business, areas like regulatory, quality, uh, clinical, engineering, et cetera. Um, What's cool is each and every week we're doing this live session uh, as part of the MedTech Talent Lab uh, community that we're building on LinkedIn. We're bringing together hiring teams, uh, talent acquisition professionals, and candidates alike to really help uh, bridge um, communications between, between both sides. And simultaneous to the live sessions that we're running, we have a um, uh, 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 um, simultaneous uh, recorded version where we interview leaders straight from the industry on all things talent related. And so today, uh, we're going to talk about a topic that I think has a lot of passion uh, behind it, and um, it is, in essence, tackling the the tough conversations internally uh, between recruitment partners, talent acquisition, human resources, and the hiring manager to make sure that everybody's really kind of moving in sync to um, accomplish the ultimate goal, which is making sure to land the right talent at the right time. And when communication is not in sync, you run the risk of uh, a lot of things most uh, recognizable is losing talent on the back end. And so I want to bring everybody in who's live here today on the call. Thank you guys so much for being here uh, live. And um, I guess maybe just kind of open this up and ask um, for your insights. Have you been in positions, you know, in, in a position recently where you felt like you had to have tough conversations? Have you seen this firsthand where communication does break down between talent acquisition and the hiring manager? What's your perspective? Oh my goodness. It's a great, great topic. Yeah. And I'd say that, uh, it happens. Absolutely. Um, I think throughout the years, you know, some of the pitfalls I see is when, um, you, maybe you and the hiring manager are in sync, but other interviewers who have been invited to be part of the interview loop haven't had a chance to hear about, you know, what the hiring manager's goal is for the position, you know, what their actual expectation is, where they're maybe willing to train. So oftentimes there can be that pitfall there where the rest of the interview loop isn't in sync with what um, the hiring manager and recruiter had agreed to. And like you said, um, yeah, it just leads to that, um, uh, lack of a good experience and, you know, sometimes even losing the candidate completely. I was going to ask you, have you seen, have you been a part of an experience where you actually did lose talent as a result of communication breakdown internally? Um, 
I'd say that I think we all have. <laughs> I think we probably all have. Yeah, I, I'd say thankfully, um, with with what I've seen, uh, is that overall the the managers I've worked with, um, when we're starting to notice that happening and the feedback, have been pretty good to uh, right the ship. But yeah, I, I'd say there's probably have been times in the past. So I think one of the things as so we want to talk about maybe some of the, the pitfalls as to what's happening, right? People aren't on the same page, whether that's um, the type, the the profile of the candidate you're trying to recruit. It could be about timing of, hey, how quickly are we responding as to whether or not we want to interview a candidate. It could be about timing as far as how quickly are we or not quickly are we getting somebody through the interview process. All these areas are pitfalls for where communication can break down. I think one of the ways to kind of help mitigate a lot of this overall is by the expectations that you set up front, right? And so Heather, you had, um, you had made mention of the expect, you mentioned the, the word expectations between the hiring manager and the recruiter. Um, do you guys, anybody on the call, this for anybody, do you guys have a formal expectation process that you put in place for, for the searches that you work on uh, between the hiring teams and, and uh, talent acquisition? Absolutely. The I answer mean, should be yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. I think this is something yeah. that as you progress in your career and, you know, I'd say Heather and I have been doing this long enough that we, we try to avoid as many pitfalls as possible by during that initial intake, whether it's even before maybe a, a position's been approved, even it's just getting an idea from the hiring manager where they are sitting. You know, there's a hundred things that have to fall into place. So, uh, trying to get on the same page immediately with, like you had mentioned, there's a number of things, the timing, the the need for the role, the, um, you know, their availability to interview, their comfort with interviewing and assessing talent and knowing, yes, they need to replace someone or yes, they've been given approval to hire someone new. Why? And what is that role really going to do? What skills are they trying to find? What type of person are they trying to find? What's going to be there? All of that stuff. You try to gather as much of that up front so you can go into this and say, okay, well, here the, here's what I'm going to do on your behalf. And then here's what I, what I expect to return. And if we're going to make this happen, knowing what I know about this position, oh gosh, we should be able to fill this in two days. It's, it's plentiful. It's low skill set. It's great pay. It's, or this is going to be incredibly difficult. And we're going to have to be boxed up for the next X amount of time in my estimation to really zero in on that type of tip. So whatever it is, um, just setting out that I've been doing this. I understand what we're getting into. Do you know what we're getting into? And are you willing to do this with me? Um, and how much help are you going to need? How much of this do you like to jump into? How much information do I need to share with just anything you can to really assess that relationship between the two of you? Um, because it's a partnership, right? So. And I think that's a key word, Tom is partnership. I think, you know, you can put processes in place. Um, and when things start to break down, sometimes that can help. But oftentimes having to like play the process card and like that for some hiring teams that can that can backfire. What do you mean by that? Play the process or, you know, call out the process? Um, I think, you know, when I and I've seen it um, in other companies where it there was an over rotation on process and metrics and whatnot. And it, it kind of drives up a, a wedge in between the partnership. Like, Oh, well, they don't understand me. They're just trying to get their, um, 
the wrecks filled and the recruiters like the hiring manager doesn't understand that I'm just trying to help them. And it's not, you know, so I know that I've, I've had conversations with some recruiters in the past, corporate recruiters and had a hiring manager straight up ask them, do you get paid a commission every time you fill a position? Which has not been the case just because we're trying to move things as quickly as possible because we know that the chance of losing talent, especially in this market, is incredibly high. Yep. So, Tom, you, you said something about the, you may not have said it verbatim like this, but if I will you. And I loved what you said about explaining. I have a series of notes I wanted to cover today. And one of the things was explaining the work that goes into the search. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a list of this many people. We're going to scrub the list. We're going to qualify them. We're going to present the ones that based on the profile that you set forth for us, that these candidates match, and we're going to present them to you and the expectations that you're going to look at them, agree, disagree, and tell us why. Or if you do agree, you're going to interview them. So if I do this, will you be prepared to interview them? If I do this, when should I expect to hear back from you with your feedback as to whether or not you want to talk with them? And you set that expectation. You can expect to hear back from me within 48 hours. Okay. Now you've got that expectation. Now, don't forget, uh, people should be put, you guys should put this in writing, right? Between your hiring team and sounds acquisition, because you need a sense of, you need accountability. If somebody's falling down on their end, you need something to reference back, right? So that's, you're dead on as far as explaining the depth of the work that you're going to do, setting the if I will you, having it in writing, and then moving forward with the search. Now, here's the thing. This is where we run into problems. I've noticed that over the years, a lot of um, uh, recruiters internally, even managers of talent acquisition, for some reason, they feel insubordinate or not insubordinate. They feel, I don't want to use the word inferior. That's not the right word I'm trying to use, but they don't feel is that they're entitled to speak up to the hiring manager and tell them what, what the problem is. They feel like <laughs> oh, they're the ball, you know, they're running the show. It's their team. Wow. I can only yeah. do so much. But I think what we have to realize, and Shannon has said this time and time again, hiring is a team sport. And it's, it's a multi-legged stool, right? And one of, if one of those legs gets cut out, the whole team loses. And so I want you guys' perspective as to folks who are listening to this conversation back and thinking, man, I'm in this spot right now. I just, I can't, I don't know how to approach this. I don't know how to talk to them, but this is not good. And it's causing me more stress and I can't do my job without them. And we're all looking bad, but I don't know what to do. What do you guys say to that? People who aren't sure where to begin. <laughs> oh, we just talked about that. We talk about this often. I know Heather, if you want to take this or not, but I'll, I'll give my little two senses. You go first. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, that could be really difficult for a recruiter to remember that this is what we do. We're pretty darn good at it. And, and you know, to, I, it doesn't matter what the title is at the company. You're there because you have the ability to bring in talent and to assess that talent and to help. And this is, this is our profession. So to not be willing to, spe to speak up and say, yo, this, I, this is my job. This is my life. I'm telling you, if we do this, we risk whatever the outcome is. And I'm, I'm saying, this is the, this is what I need from you. And this is the best way forward. Trust me on this. You have to be that strong project manager, that coach, whatever it takes to lead this process. So I think you have to remember you're not just a recruiter, 
we're project managers, we're salespeople, we're HR, we're counselors, we're whatever it takes to get yeah. this. Uh, I'll let you guys kind of take that from there. Maybe. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tom. You're the whitewater raft guide or something because, yeah. you know, let's say you have a, a quality manager. He, he or she hasn't hired in three years and they're like, well, this is how we did it before. It's our job to say, hey, mm -hmm. we're on the front lines all day, every day. I can I can assure you, not only has a little bit changed in three years, everything has changed in three years. So if you do those, <laughs> you know, the, the same process, you're, we're all going to fall flat. So to Tom's point, hey, this is this is my livelihood. I'm very good at my job. I'm a subject matter expert. I'm going to help you just like, you know, mm -hmm. technically you're sound. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff you guys do goes over my head as a recruiter. Um, but here's mm -hmm. where I can add value to I really assert yourself. That's probably the coolest uh, thing I've ever heard is think of yourself as, has anyone ever white route rafted? You got yes. the person in the back. No, to, my, to, to my detriment. Six yes. people in front of you. I don't care if it's yeah. the president of the US in my boat. It's my yeah. boat. I'm the captain. Yeah. If you row that way, we're all crashing. So yeah, yeah. We're gonna fall out. you row when I tell you to row and get me what I need and when I ask you to. And this is in a professional mm -hmm. manner. But it's essentially right. the truth. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're going down. We're not going to make it through on this river. That's an awesome analogy to. to Mitch and I up. see this a lot with with what we call the EVP, the employer value prop. And I think in yeah. this market, if you don't get that right, nothing else matters. And yeah. we'll ask the question and we'll get a surface level or either the hiring managers never really consider that. Hey, why would somebody leave? They're gainfully employed. Why would they leave their company and work for you? Gosh, I've never really thought about that. Or they'll give a real generic answer. And Mitch is good about this, like on the resume side. If it, I'm an mm -hmm. ambitious overachiever, blah blah blah. If, if it's too generic, or if the if you said the opposite and it was it would be comical. I'm an underperformer. I'm whatever. So dynamic, fast paced, agile environment. If it's too too buzzy, um, very few people will push back on that. And and that's where you know, as a team, you're like. Let, let me shoot holes in that. Let me tactfully challenge you. Let's get that stronger because, again, you know, if we don't have this right, we're, we're dead in the water anyway. So that's where you can really, you know, serve as a challenger and, and play devil's advocate and really, really tighten that up. And I think that there's an important part, too, is that and this is for talent acquisition professionals and and likewise hiring teams is that you do need to back up your. Um, you know, your recommendations with data, if there's pushback. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that, and I've done it, but like, look, I've been doing this for a blah, 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 number of years, da, 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 da. There's not a, there isn't a talent pool here. Let's stop just, you know, spray and pray with our postings. Yeah. And it wasn't until bringing that cold, hard data, putting it on, in this case, a screen in front of their face, because I don't sit on site, obviously, with the rest of the business. Um, that is a real game changer to either strengthen the, the partnership with the hiring team or uncover where there might be some, uh, underlying, I guess, mistrust for lack of a better or lack of trust, um, from the business about, um, our expertise as staffing professionals. And I've seen both. I think the biggest, the biggest overarching takeaway from from these last couple minutes is having the understanding and the confidence of the value that you bring to your organization, and and recognizing that without mm. you, 
the, the hiring manager's goals don't get met and the company's goals don't get met because human capital, I think anybody would be hard pressed to disagree, is an organization's most important asset. Well, you're hired for a reason to help bring in the most important asset into the company, which is talent, right? And so don't think for a minute that you aren't entitled to be in that conversation representing an opinion that you know is best for the hiring uh, team and the company at large, okay? That's number one. Number two, the, co the communication style. You mentioned data speaks. I would, I would add to that that it depends on who you're working with. Some s functional areas mm -hmm. thrive on data. They want the data. They, data makes them feel comfortable. Data makes them feel secure. Others just, they want to talk without, you know, sales. And I think a sales sometimes versus science. It's different. Who is your audience, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. the other thing that you said that is so important is that underlying trust. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation, but the importance of having that trust to say to somebody, I've done this for 10 years, trust me versus, Hey, you helped my, you helped my colleagues build their entire team and the obstacles mm -hmm. that you ran into, you were able to solve them. I trust you. Yeah. Right. And so you have to figure out ways of how are you going to build that trust with your hiring partner? And if it's not mm -hmm. there, okay, why isn't it there? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I, I think that piece is really important. So let's talk about how do you handle these tough conversations when they have to happen? Because we said at the beginning of the show, every single person in this room has had to have a conversation or two of this, of this sort. I think the first thing, in my opinion, goes back to what are the expectations you set up front and do you have something that you can rely back on, right? And I think it's so important that we have this. It's not coming from an adversarial or a blaming standpoint, but more of a collaboration and helping the other person realize look, as a group, we're not helping you get what you need because what you said you need was this type of person in this role doing this function at this time and we're behind. Yep. So let's mm -hmm. kind of review where together where we're falling down, mm -hmm. not just like calling the person out, right? And then trying to say, and holding yourself accountable. I said I would do X, Y, and Z. Do you feel like I've been doing that? Well, yeah, yeah, Heather, you have been doing it. Okay, you mentioned when we set the expectation that if I sent you somebody, uh, that was we thought was qualified based on our screening process, within 48 hours, you would give us your feedback. Do you feel like you've been doing that? It's not facetious, it's genuinely asking, do you feel like you've been doing that? Okay, I don't feel like we've been getting that and here's kind of why I feel this way. This is why I wanted to bring this to your attention. What, do you th what can we do together to make this easier? Because clearly this isn't your only job on your plate right now. I recognize you've got a variety of priorities but it is our job to help deliver for you. So what can we do better together? Because I feel as a result of not hearing from you, we're actually losing talent on the back end. Or somebody brought up, you know, it's not the hiring manager, it's not talent acquisition, it's the actual interview panel. You know, they're not yeah, showing he up to do Heather the thing, brought up a really not... good point. Yeah. yeah. So guys, I, you know, I talked for a couple minutes straight there. Chime in on what I said, agree, disagree. What do you, what do you have to add to that? Yeah, I think that how you're phrasing it, it's it's not a skill you learn overnight by any means, um, but certainly um, kind of talking with the manager and approaching it from, I'm making these recommendations for my groups. Yes, the data driving that home, that works really well. You know, keeping it simple, um, I think has certainly been um, really important. And having those talks with, you know, okay, these are the critical people that you need to evaluate the candidate to make a decision. Let's sit down with them. We're all gonna, you know, stack order these qualifications in order of priority. 
Like what's the, what's the number one qualification that if they, they don't have this, then, you know, we're not going to move them forward, but yeah. let's rank order these. Cause oftentimes there are going to be, you know, five to six of them um, and making sure like the whole loop is on the same page with, um, you know, what is the, the must have and what's more of the, the nice to have, like we could train up on that in the next six months or so. Um, it, I think has also been something that's that's really helped uh, overcome on some of these, you know, highly technical searches at times. And I think that's sometimes too, like the, you know that this conversation is coming. I know that I've talked a lot about making sure that a role, like a search is actually realistic. We're talking the right level, experience, compensation, and sometimes despite all of your best efforts in that initial conversation where you're setting expectations, expectations, you know, hiring team has a different perspective and wants to, you know, press forward, then you're four or five weeks in, it's like, all right, well, it's time to circle the wagons again. Remember when we had this conversation? Um, and I said that you're 20 grand underneath the market. Well, here we've had 57 applicants and of those, you know, it, yeah. it's kind of painting that, that picture. And, um, and sometimes it's, I call it playing house hunters, where if you've seen the, those real estate shows, it's like, mm. oh my gosh, I want all of these things. And the realtor shows them, you know, the house that's got everything. And and they're like, okay, so your budget's $250,000. How much do you think this home is? Wait, it's 900,000. Um, and, and, and sometimes there is a learning and moving through the process, especially if you have people like Mitch, to your point earlier, who don't hire very often. Yeah. I was Go for it, Tom. Yeah, go for it. I think the underlying theme of all of this is if we're getting to this point where you need to have a, a tough conversation, it's, it's that, okay, they clearly, we haven't built the trust. They haven't built the rapport. And so it's figuring out how to best communicate, you know, what's important to them and why do they just not, why are they not buying into what, we're trying to offer them. Why aren't they allowing us to help them? <laughs> they clearly need help. They're not helping themselves. Like there's just, so you can't assume uh, and, and not leaving things open-ended, um, trying to figure out a different way to communicate. You know, it's, it's trying all the different tools you've learned until something sticks. Um, you know, I've had situations where you email, you email nothing, you, you know, you pick up the phone or you chat them and it's like, oh yes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so busy, and boom, you get something right back. You're like, okay, clearly their inbox must be a total disaster. Yeah. Had I known this, so the next time I ask, you know, you try to ask that up front, how do you like to best communicate, right? But sometimes yeah. you know, so it's just always like something is missing. And so the quicker you can come to that and say, you know, lay out what the situation might be, I think it builds that trust, it builds that rapport that you're here, you're trying, you're trying to make it life easier on them, whatever you have to do. And again, it kind of comes back to that sales piece, right? You got to try and try and try sometimes until you hit that, right? An official bite or the whatever it is. Uh, and sometimes, you know, if you get to that point, um, that can be, it can also be difficult. Like, I don't know what else to do. But that's where, you know, for us, we elevate. <laughs> Shannon, I need you to go to Lisa and go to the, you know, this person and magically they respond. All of a sudden, I get an email back. You know, magical. The pressure point is. You got to elevate. Hey, so-and-so's not yeah. doing their job on your team and it's hurting the company and we're going to, 
You know what I mean? That's, there's a lot of different ways, but yeah. And I think that's a good point too, is as a part of these, you know, these challenging junctions, don't be afraid to use a lifeline, phone a friend, uh, you know, leverage somebody else in the business that might have a relationship with them. Like if they're non-responsive, I'm, I'm jokingly sort of, but not really talking about like, Hey Tom, can you go on site this week and just hunt this person down, like just corner them in their office right now. The case is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Adam, did you have a, something you wanted to say? Just two really quick piggybacks. So one on, on Heather's piece, and she, I think it was early in the, in our meeting uh, where there was inconsistency with other key stakeholders. Uh, I, think, I think you re referred to them as the interview loop. I've seen this more and more, especially with COVID, every, like we're doing the Brady Bunch thing right now. Everyone's remote. Mm -hmm. it, I don't know that I ever heard of that when ever, everyone's in a panel. It was a consistent messaging across the board. Everyone seemed like they were on the same page. Now, I think that's le less common. In fact, I've seen that it's less common. So I think it's really maybe, again, back to the hiring manager. Make sure everyone that you're speaking with, or maybe it is a TA or HR function because you're talking with people in, you know, cross-functionally in quality and regulatory and R&D and, you know, different different um, departments, just make sure they're all on the same page. I, I've had some, you know, crazy things happen in the last couple of weeks, even like people talking about two different jobs or describing the role completely differently or, or selling them on one job that hasn't even been posted yet or a lot of inconsistencies. And as you can imagine, the candidate's super confused and, and not real high on the, on the company, uh, you know, so I would say, let's get that squared away. Um, and then two, kind of like a few of you mentioned, Tom, I think I had mentioned too, I tried to set the table up front, even on that initial intake meeting, Hey, we're doing all of these things. We have an effort, you know, we have a mission of delivering two viable candidates within 10 business days, let's say. This is what we're going to do on your behalf. However, we also have to be open-minded to recalibrate that we might need to flex on something. If like, to Shannon's point, I get you want a PhD with 19 years of experience and it knows every computer language there is and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's what the market is telling us. So we need to flex on qualifications. We need to flex on autonomy and working remote or compensation, whatever it is. So you, Mr. or Mrs. Hiring Manager, you tell me what, what's most important. And I think Heather mentioned that too with the rank, with the rank ordering. Um, <clears throat> hey, we've got to give up some of these things. Where are we, where are we compromising? And, and so we can deliver the results for you. When it comes to, to, to these tough conversations, you know, I was taught a long time ago, something called come from place. What's somebody's come from place? And I think it's important um, to approach these conversations with two things one you coming from an empathetic uh, uh place and also with the mindset that the person's probably not doing this on purpose because they why would somebody want to hurt themselves purposely right. and tom made a good point said oh i didn't realize their inbox was so garbled up with with so many different things so i think if you come from that of a place of you know they're not doing this on purpose. There's some sort of breakdown. I could probably do, be doing something better myself. Let's work together to figure this out for the betterment of all parties involved. I think you'll have a lot more success that way. And as the old you know, saying goes, you get a lot further with, with honey than vinegar, I think is, <laughs> yeah. right? Catch I think flies, it's so yeah. true in life and in business. Um, yep. But what I would really stress though, is that these tough conversations should not be done through email. I really, really, really mm -hmm. strongly believe that. I think email should be used to set up a time to speak live. Yeah. And I think you should also, you know, ask the question, 
I, or say, I don't feel like I'm doing as good of a job as I can for you. What can I be doing better? Right? Be a detective. Mm -hmm. Find out mm -hmm. what – get as much information as you can before you bring a professional recommendation forward. Without the information, you're really not getting at perhaps the, the biggest element, uh, which you otherwise wouldn't have known about unless you asked these questions, right? Um, guys, we're going to wrap up soon, but final thoughts on, on the, the criticality of having the tough conversations and anything that you want to say about, you know, how to have them or your experience as far as good outcomes that you've been able to accomplish by having them? Yeah, I think that this is something that those of us that are in this space, especially those of us that are, have been more talent consultants, um, I, I guess I could call, call those of us on this call, um, I think we also have an obligation to bring along the, the greener talent acquisition professionals because there is still a um, order taking mentality of yes, yes, I'm sorry, you wanted fries with that. Um, and we'll, you know, fulfill no matter what the cost with, you know, so I understand that you like French fries and this is a Thai restaurant. Um, so how, it's it's on us to also help our help our colleagues in this space um, just change change the way that recruiting is happening and the way these conversations about hiring are happening. I, I was going to ask Jim. I'd love to hear your perspective as a hiring just, manager. What yeah, yeah. Our, our shifts just, have been like I, and what's, I was what's worked. Just just going to jump in here. Um, I heard a lot of good things, and uh, one of the most important things I heard, I think, Shandon, you said, which is it's a team sport, and yeah. um, you know you've got to work from the beginning. Um, email is is not the best way to communicate. Um, you know, I've been on the other end. What I like to do is uh, set up a weekly one-on-one -on -one where you know we're we're going to talk about what's going on, and um, you know, email is great, but phone calls are better. Um, you know, email is passive, texting is passive. You know, if I've got something going on, um, we need to talk. It's yep. probably the best way to do that. So uh, I, I promote that. Um, we on the on the organization's side also have some responsibilities. I need to make sure you're aware of what the urgency is, what the interview panel looks like. Um, what the availability of necessary corporate resources is going to be when we find a candidate. Um, my view and the view that I tried to install with, um, you know, the people on my team who were hiring is that, you know, these candidates are not growing on trees. They're diamonds and we need to treat Hallelujah, them as the, the rare rarity that they are and uh you know you can't just take for granted that if we lose this one we're going to catch the next one because right. that's just not the way the world works um 100%. you know listen you know it, it, prior planning prevents poor performance right so you know let's have a conversation i spend i'll spend an hour 90 minutes whatever it takes with a recruiter to talk about what i'm looking for or the hard skills, the soft skills, the have-to-haves, the nice-to-haves. And, uh, you know, I, that kind of thing has has paid dividends in the hiring process um, for me. Um, and, and so, you know, that's the kind of relationship that I like to build with the folks who are doing recruiting on my behalf, whether they're internal recruiters or, or um, you know, uh, contract recruiters. Um, you know, that's how to make it work in, in my amazing opinion. perspective, so. yeah. 
Jim, let me so ask you I this. Like, and, and, you, know, you guys touched on all of this stuff, and it makes me really happy. And, and for those listening back, so Jim is is uh, at the vice president level. He's overseen many regulatory and, and quality organizations. Let me ask you this. When you've got so many competing priorities and you are in the mi middle of recruiting and the recruiter, you know, internal or external says, hey, we, we've got a candidate. We need you to interview. And can you get back to us on this? How are you How are you managing your different priorities and what's the emphasis you place on um, you know, the talent process versus dealing with all the other stuff going on? Well, gosh, um, that's a difficult question to answer. Um, you know, uh, the priority needs to be, to be on retaining good talent um, and making sure that the people that we're hiring are helping us grow and achieve these multiple priorities. So, um, you know, we're not going to get there if we don't fill these positions. So they have to be high priority. Um, but, um, you know, you've got to start looking at the reasons why you're needing to fill these roles. And, you know, if you're, excuse me, filling these roles because people are leaving, then you have a problem that you need to solve um, internally. If you're growing rapidly and, you know, these are new roles, that's a great problem to have. And, um, you know, getting these roles filled is, you know, important to your being able to achieve those objectives and deliver on time. So, um, you know, I don't know that I'm answering your question other than to say hiring needs to be a priority. It needs to yeah. be amongst the top priorities for the business. We get to where we're going with, you know, people in places that are able to achieve results and you're not going to get there without them. Part of the reason I wanted to put that to you is because I think a lot of times people can get stuck and not see the forest from the trees and be like, oh my gosh, I got all this. I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. But realize, man, if I just stop and take five minutes to give my partner what they need is going to help me achieve my goal uh, in the long run. Oh, and, and, and that's harder said than done, but I think it's really important to have that mindset of, okay, look, this is a, I'm saying it's a priority. Am I acting as if it's a priority? Well, I'm, I'm connected to some of you, at least, I think, with LinkedIn, I have 3,500, 4,000 people in my network. And the first thing that I do when I sit down to recruit for a high-level role is I sit down with a recruiter and I say, here's 20 people from my database that I think might be a good fit for this role. Nice. Here's why. And, you know, have at it. And, yeah, it's um, unbelievable. Uh, you know, I was really happy in the last role that I have. I, I had a a technical recruiter who knew nothing about quality and regulatory or compliance. And I sat down with him and spent a couple of hours with him explaining what I looked for, what the ideal candidates were. And oftentimes I, I would be looking for those kinds of candidates. And, uh, you know, I'd go out and I'd, I'd click on a profile and I'd see he's already connected with them. So, you know, that's brilliant. That is amazing strategy. Jim, can it's we clone you? <laughs> I was going to say, that's like 1% stuff. Yeah. Rarer than you think. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, it's nice to hear, like, from the opposite side, you're also assessing the resource available to you, right? Is this a, an mm -hmm. experienced recruiter? Is it someone new to this group? Have they done this before? What kind of network do they have? It's a team sport. It's a team sport. And mm -hmm. I, I use that yeah. phrase all over the place because compliance and quality are also team sports. So I, I use that phrase liberally myself, but I, you know, I love it and it certainly applies here. Well, guys, awesome show again. Thanks so much to those who are here live in the room. Appreciate it as always. If you are listening to this back, 
Uh, don't forget to check out the MedTech Talent Lab uh, LinkedIn community that we're building. Uh, each and every week, we're bringing another topic to you in a live session. There's lots of chat going on in that community. And then, of course, make sure to check out all the other sessions that we've recorded with uh, amazing leaders from the industry. Uh, thanks again, guys. And we'll be back next Wednesday, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.